0: a whole happy hour this is episode 28 28. this is uh mallory here and this is um this is ashley (laughs) (laughs) we just realized that we've been doing this podcast for a year now yep we didn't really mention it last time which i think probably would have been the appropriate time but yeah oh well (laughs) that's nuts Thanks for listening for a whole year to our bullshit. (laughs) I know. I'm so grateful
1: that we still have people that listen to us. I know. It's crazy. And it was so cool to see everyone's um, Spotify wrapped, like posting that we were their favorite or one of their favorite podcasts. That was so cool. And then our most listened to episode was Chandler Halderson. Yep. And if you're interested in more content on that case, I found that Chandler Halderson's jail phone calls have been released, as well as the police interview with his girlfriend. And it's all on this YouTube channel called Rottweiler Investigations, and they have lots of stuff like that on there. So I'd recommend checking it out if you're interested in just more Chandler content. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's new with you? Nothing really. Had a good Thanksgiving. Nothing really new to report. Just, you know, working. Yeah. Trying to get through this story, which was very difficult. Oh, my God. So it's going to be a long one. What's new with you? Um, Well, I told you already, but
0: I fell down the stairs today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, um, yeah, that's uh, – I mean, what else is new? I don't know. I th- My Thanksgiving, I worked and didn't go anywhere because everyone was having it at, like, lunchtime. So mm. – I ended up just staying home and ordering Indian food. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's like awesome. we talked about last time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was good. But not and I didn't have to deal with family bullshit, so Amazing. Yeah. A plus. Yeah.
1: Chef's kiss. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my God. I'm just working along. Working along Working, working along. Long. Working for the weekend.
1: Well, Do you have any case updates for us at all?
0: Yeah. So big one in the Delphi case, the probable cause affidavit was unsealed. Oh, yeah. And literally don't know why. Like, I think you were right when you had said before that they had sealed it for so long because they were trying to basically cover up that they were completely incompetent
1: Mm -hmm. in the beginning. (laughs) So because they had interviewed richard allen at the very beginning yep yeah i i remember reading somewhere that he even told them he was wearing a blue jacket yes all the you know exact he outfit there at the same time they knew
0: that there was a car that matched the description of the car in the cps building parking lot um and you know he had driven there at the same time and then there were other uh, witnesses. They they had interviewed a couple of girls or something that had said they saw a man fitting his description with the same clothes and everything. Um, and then someone later said that they saw him walking through, I can't remember exactly where it was, but um, he was covered in mud and blood. What? Yeah. I missed that part. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Didn't he say he was there because he wanted to look at the fish? Yes. <laughs> that bridge is so tall off the lake
0: or the river that how are you going to see any fish from there like that's such a bullshit story right and then the um real smoking gun i guess you whatever you could say is that he had a gun that i think what they did was tested they had found a bullet in between the bodies of the girls and it wasn't fired bullet it was like a oh like uh, just a like dropped yeah like out of the chamber
1: like a signature or something that sounds like
0: but yeah i don't know it's really or like he did it to scare them like he like i don't know how guns work okay so i'm not sure what what the deal is there but um they tested the bullet and it matched to his gun so I guess there are, like, certain markings or something that happen when you drop the bullet out. But, yeah. Wow. So they matched it to his gun. Um, But I don't think that they tested the gun until this year. I think that was Mm -hmm. this year. But they knew at the time that they interviewed him the first time in 2017 that he was there at that time. He was wearing those clothes. You know, multiple witnesses saw him and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So um, they interviewed him and never followed up with it after that. I've heard that someone said that somebody misfiled like a... Oh, yeah. I don't know, his file or something. Was that the
1: clerical error everyone was yeah. talking about? <sighs> yeah. Well, also, like, his family or his wife must have known he was there the same day. And that yeah. he had to go to the police and all this. And that he was wearing that outfit. And then... Yeah, they have that video playing everywhere. They have the video do do playing everywhere. That? How do they? How
0: does? How does his wife not recognize him from the video? Yeah, I mean, I know it's like blurry, but
1: no, you, if would you totally recognize if you know
0: someone. Yes, if it's your husband or somebody really close to you, you're gonna see that and be like, "That is them." Yeah, like-
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't so far away and blurry that you wouldn't recognize someone you. you yeah. Know. Or at least be very suspicious. Like, right. you'd be like,
0: um, this, something's not right here. Oh, man. So, yeah, that is super crazy. Um, he's still in jail. I think he's trying to get Bond. Um, he's got a lawyer now, finally. And there's something about a gag order, but I don't know. Oh, yeah.
1: I saw that anyone involved in the case, there's a gag order until one of his hearings in January. Oh, okay. Or something. They can't talk about the case at all.
0: Oh, okay. Good luck sure with that. i But,
1: but. <laughs> Anywho. So, yeah, that's my update. Did you have any case updates? Nope. Okay. I didn't. I've seen a lot about the Idaho student murders in the news and on TikTok and stuff, but not really any new information. It's basically all speculative stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, people just talking kind of like they did when Gabby Petito stuff was happening. Just like. Yeah. reporting on every freaking inclination they had so yes. nothing to report there i think the only thing
0: the police have done in that uh, or at least in terms of news in that um case is come out and just they're just trying to dispel rumors mm-hmm. so they had i think the most recent one is they came out and said that they believe that somebody was a target but they weren't going to say who because mm-hmm. there were rumors
1: flying but anyway crazy 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 well, should we just get into it then? Well, would you like to talk about our drink? Yes. I kind of oh, you- leave it into okay. my introduction here. Okay. Um, I'm go for it. Guys, if you listen to our previous episode, you know what we're gonna be talking about. And I am really nervous to tell the story. It's a lot of information. It took yeah. me so much to go so much time, so much mental energy to go through this case. But without further ado, we're gonna be talking about the case of Casey Anthony tonight. This story took the media by storm here in the U.S., and I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with it. But there are people out there that don't know anything about Casey Anthony.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Because my husband,
1: for he example. had no well, he doesn't know anything about it. So if you don't know, Casey Anthony was a young mother who had been charged with murdering her almost three-year-old daughter, Kaylee, in the summer of 2008. Which, geez, you just turned 21 or something? Like, we can cut that. <laughs> Just
0: think, it was 2008. I I just turned 21. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just thinking about:
1: Were we at karaoke?
0: I turned 21 the day that the 911 call was made. Oh, it was
1: my birthday. We did karaoke. It's crazy because I remember that night so vividly. It's crazy to think all of this was happening simultaneously.
0: Yes,
1: I can't Uh, believe I have specific memories from that day. That's so crazy because we took so many freaking pictures, and I'm pretty sure I was wearing a vest.
0: Um, Was that when we did karaoke with my coworkers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't. It's not like
1: coworkers my age. They were all like yeah. fucking fifty
0: year old ladies. <laughs> but it was so much fun. It was.
1: It was. And I, guys, if I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mallory is a really good singer. Oh. <laughs> Thank <There> you. <go. laughs> but we were also there with our friend. Um, in a past episode, we've mentioned her. She was the one that borrowed my camera to film herself diddling. Yep. <laughs> um, God, damn it. (laughs) But she reminds me of Casey Anthony and the fact that she is a pathological liar.
0: Yeah. You know what? I didn't even
1: make that connection, but she is very similar to Casey Anthony. So anyway, she was found not guilty in the summer of 2011. And basically, I I wanted to understand the case and how the jury could come to this conclusion because I never watched the trial during that time, I mean, it was all over the news, but I, I wasn't, like, invested in true crime like I am now. I was more invested in playing video games and being, yeah. being a dum-dum. I do remember
0: um, when the trial was happening, I was at the beach with my mom and brother. And we would, like, a couple of days out of that trip, we actually, instead of, like, going out to the beach, watch the trial. Wow. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. Yeah. Well, as I go through this, please stop me at any moment and we can have discussions because I think that that'll be better than me just like reading through everything. Yeah. Um, I've watched almost everything available on this story and it's rough, Mm -hmm. especially having a son the same age as Kaylee was. It just makes it even more real and disturbing. I think it's important to do a deep dive on the story, the trial, the theories, and I wanted to do this because Casey Anthony just worked on a three-part series with Peacock where she tells her side of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of us have watched it and we will discuss it. Yes. But I'm pretty sure she told her side of the story already. And it was... She did. All bullshit. Yeah. And
0: just because we had somebody make a comment, technically, I mean, everything we are going to mention or talk about in this podcast is our opinion,
1: okay? So just shut up. <laughs> we will be talking about all the facts, all the evidence, um everything, but we also will be talking about our thoughts and feelings and um that's what theories, we do on this podcast. But we will be sure to let you know if it's that.
0: I think most of the people that are familiar with this case are have the same opinion as us, but just wanted to throw that out there since we had a
1: yeah. Um, I did go into this fully open, wanting to understand everything and give it the benefit of the doubt despite what I knew. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, I feel the same way I did before after going through. Even stronger. But, you know, nobody except Casey Anthony knows what happened. Mm -hmm. And that's just a fact. But we were going to talk about what we do know. I also thought it was important to, to go through all of this because... I think Peacock and Casey Anthony decided to do this series because there's just like a whole new generation out there. Mm -hmm. Like Gen Z, you know, coming up, true crime, armchair detectives. We're in the age of the Me Too movement and stuff where you always believe someone who says they were abused, that kind of thing. And I think that she is playing that To her advantage. And you know
0: what? She probably, it's probably working on that generation. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because they didn't, they don't have the context. Yeah. So. We're here to give
1: you that context. Yeah. So buckle up. (laughs) Here we go. Yeehaw. So after watching this series, uh, my opinion hasn't changed, but I think Peacock should be ashamed of themselves Mm. for giving this woman a platform to spread more lies and vitriol. She not only, like... Oh, my God. I, I mean, we don't know what happened, but she is... We can talk about it later. She is definitely throwing names around in a way that could get her ass locked up. Yeah, or at the very least, sued. Sued is L- probably yes. more like it. But we'll go into that more later. But I was disgusted by what I saw in that series. Don't watch it. There's no reason for you to watch it. Yeah. Um. She basically put on... A very obvious performance. And I think I've heard that she's been paid. I have seen that here and there on Reddit, which that sucks even more. Luckily for me, I didn't have to subscribe to Peacock. I could just use Mallory's login. (laughs) Yeah, I already had it. (laughs) Didn't get it for Casey Anthony. So the drink of the night, I'm sure you're all very curious. Um, It doesn't really have a theme, but a theme in Casey Anthony's life now is getting drinks thrown in her face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I decided if I ever had the opportunity to throw a drink in her face, what would I want to throw? And I decided I'd want it to be fucking hot, and I'd want it to be spicy, <laughs> and hopefully get in her eyes. <laughs> so we have created a spiked Mexican hot chocolate. So what do you think about it so far? It's so good. I really like it. It's not very practical for a long ass podcast because it's now not super hot. Yeah, but that's know, it's so good. Um, so basically how you make this is you heat up chocolate and milk, and then you add about two ounces of Reposado tequila and an ounce of Ancho Reyes chili liqueur, and then you can top it with whipped cream and a sprinkle of cinnamon, and it is divine. It is super yummy. I was not sure how it was going to (laughs) taste, and then... Well, I also knew that this story was going to be really infuriating and long, so I didn't want us to chug our drinks and get wasted and mad. So I thought a hot drink (laughs) would help us pace ourselves a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get into it. As I said before, Casey Anthony was tried in court for the murder of her three-year-old daughter, Kaylee, and was acquitted of all charges. And this result infuriated the public. And essentially the entire world has been unable to move on and no one else has come forward for her disappearance and death. And I'd like to start by giving a little bit of a background on the Anthony family. And I'll start by telling you a little bit about her parents. Cindy Anthony was a nurse, and George was a former police officer. When George testified in court, he mentioned he was working as an undercover drug agent for the sheriff's office. He even was a detective working on auto theft cases and, on the rare occasion, homicide cases. Cindy and George had their first child, Lee, in 1982. Cindy cut back at work, only working part-time so she could care for their son, and George wound up leaving his job as a deputy after 10 years on the force. He cited this was because he wanted something more stable. So George decided he wanted to join his father's car business, where he was employed as a salesman. Apparently, George didn't have the best relationship with his father, and there was one instance where they got into a physical altercation, where George actually pushed his father through a plate glass window. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Fortunately, his father was okay, but this career move did not work out for him, and they parted ways. Around this time, on March 19th, 1986, Casey Marie Anthony was born. The Anthonys were struggling financially, and George took out a second mortgage on their house in order to buy a car lot. It wasn't a wise investment, and he was a little secretive with Cindy about the financial issues. But eventually, the couple moved from Ohio to Florida to be closer to he and Cindy's parents. The move served as a fresh start for the family. Cindy finds another job as a nurse, and George is still struggling to find his footing with his own career. He eventually started having some issues with gambling, and the family got deeper and deeper into debt. George wasn't exactly transparent about all this. When I read all these details about George and Cindy's relationship, it started to remind me a little bit of Casey's behavior. Yeah, I definitely think that that was learned. Yes, While Casey, by all accounts, appeared to be a good kid, made good grades, was athletic, etc., friends did notice Casey had a pattern of lying. It seemed petty at first, but Casey would drop a bombshell on her parents at the very end of her senior year of high school. Casey's graduation was approaching, and all the invitations to the ceremony were sent out to her family. Cindy was so proud of her daughter and organized a huge graduation party to celebrate. Graduation gifts started to arrive, but there was something Casey hadn't received yet, her cap and gown. Her mother asked her over and over and over, "Where was it? When was it going to arrive? When she was when was she going to receive it?" But Casey brushed her off, claiming that nothing was wrong. The night before graduation, Cindy received a phone call from the school informing her that because Casey did not complete enough credits, that she would not be able to graduate. Oh my god, I didn't know this. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, get this. Cindy was furious. Casey insisted that it was just a misunderstanding. Of course, it had nothing to do with the fact that Casey stopped attending classes and turning in assignments. Yeah. When Cindy calmed down, she decided that the two of them should just keep this a secret between the two of them. What? The invitations were already mailed out. The party was already planned. They had to go through with it at this point. So what happens when people go (laughs) to? graduation and she's not graduating (laughs) well cindy thought like if this was a mistake you know they might as well have everyone there it was a mistake so they're gonna go through with everything uh they just needed to go on with the show and so they did the entire family attended the graduation and were very confused as to why casey wasn't called up to walk and receive her diploma
0: oh my god
1: Cindy assured the family that it was just a mistake made by the school and not to be concerned. Casey just had to sit out for the ceremony, but she did, in fact, graduate. That's not true. (laughs) In reality, Casey didn't graduate at all, and she never even went back and got her diploma or GED or anything. Oh, wow. Um, But this wouldn't stop Casey from accepting all of her graduation gifts. She accepted all of the gifts, all of the money, and her graduation party would go on. Cindy and Casey kept the secret from everyone. Wow. So that just kind of gives you a little insight into their family dynamic. Yeah. So
0: it seems kind of like Cindy has those tendencies as well. (laughs) I think she
1: has this she has this image that she's trying to portray to everyone and she does not want anything to come in the way of messing up that, that image. Yeah. So after graduation, Casey went on to get a job with Kodak at universal studios. So, you know, on how on some of the rides you have your picture taken, um, when you're like on the roller coaster or whatever. Yeah. And then you have the option to buy it after the ride. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Well, Casey was the one that would sell you your photos for the Hulk ride. Oh, Okay. So while she was working there, friends and family would start to notice that Casey was putting on weight, but it was targeted mainly in her middle section. Her parents would question whether she was pregnant, but Casey denied it, claiming she was a virgin. Uh Uh-huh. But in the summer of 2005, the Anthony family would attend her uncle's wedding in South Carolina, and people kept coming up to Cindy and George saying, Do you have something to tell us? Is Casey pregnant? But Cindy told them that she was just retaining water and that, nope, she was not pregnant. I've even read some sources that claim that Cindy also made excuses like she had just gained a bit of weight or even that she had a tumor. Oh, my God. And Cindy's a nurse. Yeah. Wow. Time went on and Casey grew. And at seven months pregnant, Casey would go to the doctor and a pregnancy test would reveal that she was, in fact, pregnant. At seven months. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Casey told friends and family that she intended to give the baby up for adoption, but that idea did not fly with her mother. Cindy recalls Casey showing up at her work, sitting her down, and telling her the news. She was excited to have a grandchild, and the two sat down with George and shared the news. He also claimed he was excited to become a grandparent, but he also had reservations about his daughter's future. Both parents were curious about who the father could be, but they didn't want to press the issue. To me, it seemed like Casey's parents were constantly walking on eggshells. Casey's brother recalls questioning his parents about Casey being pregnant after noticing her belly in the bathroom, the two shared. But Cindy kept the news from Casey's brother, told her, nope, she's not pregnant. What? He actually didn't learn the truth until two days before the baby was born. Oh my God. So here we go again with Cindy protecting their image claiming yeah. that casey wasn't pregnant and even at that wedding i think they all knew already that she was but they were just putting on a front oh okay but isn't that insane that they would keep that from their own yes. son
0: yes it's kind of crazy that i don't know maybe he didn't believe it but that people could even believe that I know.
1: <laughs> yeah <come on.
0: laughs> i know like in this
1: picture that you have up She's very obviously pregnant. hmm Yep. So during this time period, Cindy and George were separated due to George losing his job and some issues with online gambling. It was so bad that people were calling and threatening the family for payment.
0: Oh, wow. Holy
1: cow. Yeah. So George was living in South Florida during that time. And when Kaylee was 10 months old, Cindy and George worked it out, got back together, and George moved back into the home with Cindy casey and kaylee on august 9th 2005 casey gave birth to kaylee marie anthony she was a healthy baby girl weighing in at seven pounds four ounces and oddly enough casey wasn't the first person to hold her daughter it was cindy oh not sure why but that's definitely not the norm yeah so again the family dynamic in the anthony household it just doesn't seem healthy like something just seems off yeah yeah Yeah. Sometime during Casey's pregnancy, she started dating a guy she met while working at Universal Studios. His name was Jesse Grund. She let him believe he was the father, despite the timing not matching up. Jesse was excited at the thought of being a dad and was committed to Casey. He would meet George and Cindy for the first time in the delivery room. Oh, wow. Awkward. You can imagine what a bad impression that must have left with the Anthony's not meeting the potential father of your grandchild until the birth, like literally in yeah. the uh, delivery room. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it wasn't his decision. I'm sure that was probably something Casey had cooked up. Mm-hmm. George recalls asking Jesse how he intended to financially support Casey and Kaylee. So things were tense. A paternity test would later confirm that Jesse was not the father, but this didn't scare him away or lessen the love he had for Kaylee. Oh. Mm. He was 100% committed to taking care of her. That love and commitment did not sit well with Casey. She dumped Jesse in May 2006, and the reason she gave him was because she felt that he loved Kaylee more than her.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I'm saying this because I think it, it all is just building to what we're going to talk about at the very end. So this was heartbreaking for Jesse. The two didn't speak for 10 months, but eventually rekindled a friendship in November of 2007. They decided to try again, but Jesse says he noticed that Casey was markedly different. Before, her first priority was Kaylee, and her second was to be a good wife. Everything else came third, but now going out and partying was becoming the top priority. Jesse ended the relationship, but still wanted to be in Kaylee's life. Unfortunately, the last time Jesse would see Kaylee would be in December of 2007. After this relationship ended, Casey would pull an obituary out of the newspaper, show it to her mother, and say, oh no, this was Kaylee's father. He died in a car accident. But that wasn't the last person she would claim to be the father. She claimed several others were Kaylee's father as well, some real and some fake, And it just so happens that several of these men had died in car accidents. Are you serious? I didn't know that detail either.
0: I knew she had said one of them was, but oh my God.
1: (laughs) Dude, how does she expect people to believe it? I know. I don't get it. Despite this nonsense, Kaylee was described as a happy little girl who would light up the room. Cindy and George created the perfect home for Kaylee. Her room was decked out in everything Winnie the Pooh and she had a playhouse out back that she loved to play in. Living in Florida, you can swim practically year-round, and Kaylee loved the water. The family had an above-ground pool with a ladder attached, and it was a rule in the house to make sure the ladder was always put away to prevent Kaylee from climbing in unattended. Kaylee was seriously the cutest little toddler you can imagine. She's super cute. She had big, gorgeous eyes and an infectious smile, She was really into wearing sunglasses and hats, like that was her thing. Mm -hmm. George recalls her favorite Disney movies were Lady and the Tramp and 101 Dalmatians. Kaylee and Casey both lived with Casey's parents, Cindy and George, which allowed Casey to have childcare while she worked. (laughs) Sometime after Casey had given birth, she had returned to her work at Universal Studios, where she was now working as an event planner, or so she said. Mm Mm-hmm. Most mornings, Kaylee would get up with her grandparents who cared for her while Casey slept in to around 10 or 11 and then headed out for the day to go to work. Eventually, Casey meets a guy and they start dating. He was a DJ and event planner attending Full Sail University in Orlando. His name was Tony Lazaro. Casey decides to move her and Kaylee out of her parents' house and in with Tony and his roommate. So this happened around the beginning of June in 2008. Other than that, nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary, according to Casey's friends. But there was a huge fight at the Anthony home prior to Kaylee's disappearance. The Anthonys have refused to speak about it, but there has been rumblings that Cindy was not happy with the way Casey was parenting and was threatening to kick Casey out of the house and get custody of Kaylee. Oh boy. I'd even heard that Cindy straight up put her hands around Casey's neck during this confrontation. Now, there's not a whole lot of information out there on this fight because the Anthonys refused to talk about it. They've talked about it with other people who've come forward, but sources claim that it was found that Casey had been stealing money from her grandparents' accounts, and that's what kind of triggered this fight. Oh, what? Casey's grandparents? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all of this happened just prior to the day Kaylee went missing. June 13th, Casey is invited to go out with friends, but declines because she says her father has had a stroke. Casey's father didn't have a stroke. P.S. And I'm only including this to illustrate Casey's propensity for lying. She could have given any excuse. Yeah. She could have given the truth. No one would care. He can't go out. But she was just so quick to fabricate things. And they were not little things. They were big things. Like, the fact that she says her dad has had a stroke, that's going to require a follow-up. Yes, it is. I mean, who knows? Maybe her friends will see her dad. And yeah. maybe they'll ask him, how are you doing after your stroke? Yeah. Like, big lies <laughs> yes. like this. And Things- she doesn't
0: even care. I-, I know. That's crazy.
1: So I think this just says a lot about her and her character and her sheer inability to live in reality. So two days later, June 15th, 2008, was Father's Day. George worked his usual 3 to 11 p.m. shift, and Casey was working as well. So Cindy and Kaylee went to go visit Cindy's father at the assisted living where he was staying. Later that day, Cindy and Kaylee would go swimming in their pool, and afterward, Cindy made sure to put the ladder away. As I said before, they were hyper-vigilant about doing this, and That day, Cindy took a ton of pictures and videos of Kaylee throughout the day, and these would be the last images taken of her. Mm. The next morning of June 16th seemed like any other morning, but it was anything but. This would be the last day Kaylee was seen alive. 7.52 a.m., Casey is on her computer searching for shot girl costumes. Shot girl costumes. Yeah, so basically sexy outfits for ladies to wear so they can serve shots at the oh. Club. oh, okay. Like maybe like a schoolgirl outfit or some yeah. bullshit like that. So she's Googling shot girl costumes. So it can be assumed that Casey was searching this to help her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, with an upcoming event he had. Again, he was a party planner slash DJ. Yeah. Later, George woke up early with Cindy as she left for work. He had his morning coffee, and eventually Kaylee would wake up, and he would spend some time with her, make her breakfast. And according to George, Casey would come out of her room around 9 or 10 a.m. George remembers this morning vividly, like super vividly. He was watching his favorite show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. <laughs> nice. Or as he called it on the stand, Drive-Up, Diners, and Dives. <laughs> <laughs> which is such a dad thing to yeah, do. <laughs> so he remembers this because it was his favorite show and it was a commercial break so that is what's cementing this in his memory so during the break he recalls Kaylee coming out of Casey's room dressed in a pink top jean shorts white sandals with pink socks she had on white sunglasses her hair was back in a ponytail and she had on her backpack So she came out and she told George, who she called Jojo, and she said, I'm going to see Zanny, which is the nanny that Casey claims that she would take Kaylee to for the last couple years. Mm -hmm. Moments later, Casey comes out of her room after getting ready and says she was leaving for work and she might be home late. She told her father if it got too late that her and Kaylee would be spending the night with Zanny, the babysitter. Apparently, this would happen every once in a while, but George had never met Zanny before. He watched Casey load Kaylee up in her car seat, blew Kaylee a kiss, and gave Casey a hug, and said, drive safe. So Casey drives off in her white Pontiac Sunfire, and that would be the last time that anyone would see Kaylee. So George testifies that Casey and Kaylee left around 12.50 p.m., but that isn't accurate, So he's either misremembering this or he's Mm -hmm. not telling the truth. Yeah. Because the details I'm about to tell you were not all shared during Casey's trial. But at 1.39 p.m., there is activity on the family computer. The computer is logged in under Casey's user profile. Whoever used the computer logged into Casey's AIM account. Which, can we talk about AIM for a second?
0: Yeah, oh my God.
1: (laughs) I'm curious if our younger listeners have ever had the pure exhilaration of logging into AOL instant Messenger? I
2: know.
1: <laughs> it was so addicting. You could just talk to your friends after school,
0: and your screen name was almost 100% going to be something really stupid. Do you remember <laughs> your first screen name? My first one, I can't remember what my first one was, because I feel like I had one before the one that I'm remembering. I think it was probably Muzz 87.
2: Muzz. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think mine was Mary Cherry 117. What? I got that name from a show that was popular at the time called Popular. Oh! Anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> So I was completely obsessed with being on AIM. Yeah, me too. Waiting for my crush to come online. Yep. Hearing that door sound. Yes, I'm about to play you some. Oh my god! It was just exhilarating. And just for a little relief from this terrible reality, I I want to play you guys some AOL sounds to get our endorphins pumping a little bit. I love it.
2: (laughs) Got
1: mail. I get a rush <laughs> listening to that. the The
0: message sound is so satisfying. Yeah,
1: or the door opening. Yeah.
0: Oh my god.
1: Oh and my god. Do you remember talking to Smarter Child?
0: Yes, I do. <laughs> Holy shit! I spent a ton of time talking to a robot. That was
1: probably like the first Siri, like where you could talk to a little robot you know what i mean yeah it would just like converse with you yeah so anyway just wanted to give us a little light at the end of i don't know what i'm saying something (laughs) we ain't at the end of the tunnel yet (laughs) i'm just trying to give you something to hold on to here someone logs into casey's aim account but not only is her aim account logged on but her facebook and myspace as well all under her account Mm -hmm. all of it okay So, which I have to say, this is 2008. AIM was so done by then. Yeah. It was all about Skype. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. That's true, though. Yeah. And I remember MySpace was almost completely done by that time, too. Yes, because Facebook was around and Facebook took over. Yeah, Facebook started in, like, 2005. And then I I still had my MySpace account, but I remember telling people, like, what, you haven't heard of Facebook? (laughs) Anyway, this is cool new app. Not app. We didn't even have cool app. Website on the world. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I just got a meeting invite at work the other day for a metaverse lunch and learn. Really? And I am just frankly disinterested. Dude, wait. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to know. So sorry. Back to the story. 1.39 p.m., someone logs into Casey's AIM, MySpace, and Facebook. And then at 1.42 p.m., Casey calls her close friend, Amy Hazinga. We know that because her the cell phone tower pings at the Anthony home. So she's at home, and she's on the phone. She's on AIM, MySpace, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. So they're on the phone till about 2.21, so about a 40-minute phone conversation. Between 2.30 and 2.40, George would have left for work. That was the usual time he would leave for his 3 to 11 shift. Okay. And the smoking gun. At 2.51 p.m., someone is on the family computer searching foolproof suffocation. Yeah. Mallory, have you ever searched foolproof suffocation?
0: You know what? I, one time, no, I have never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Not even on
1: accident? No, no. I uh, don't think I could make that accident. Guys, if you have ever searched foolproof suffocation, why did you do that? Like, I'm genuinely curious. Why would you do that? Yeah. What would your goal, What would your goal be? Right. Just interesting. And I have to say, this was not presented at the trial. This came out several years later because when oh. the police were gathering all the data they did not look at firefox fuck yeah no i didn't realize that holy Isn't that shit devastating the jury did not know about this at all no one did oh my god except whoever that's searched so it so
0: frustrating was it infuriating yeah yeah that's a better word i just spilled hot chocolate
1: all over my shirt <laughs> are you lactating <laughs> yes oh my god chocolate milk move. At 2.52, someone logs back on to Casey's MySpace. By the way, George did clock into work at 3 p.m. So, okay. This is jumping forward to the
0: new documentary, but she said it took him 10 minutes to get to work. Mm.
1: And if he clocked in at 3, then it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. So one would conclude, this is Casey. Mom's at work, dad's at work, Casey's accounts are logged in, 2.53 p.m., Casey answers a call from her ex fiance and close friend, Jesse Grund. They have about an 11-minute conversation, and Casey hangs up around four. And then Casey receives a call from her father. The call lasts 26 seconds, and we're not entirely sure if George spoke with Casey, if it was unanswered or, or what. Like we don't know. But something? there was a 26-second call that had been made to Casey. Um, at 3 or 04 p.m. So, this information again was not brought up in court. And if it was, I think things would have gone a little differently. But I but agree anyway.
0: because that's pretty, I mean, she still denies it, but it's pretty open and closed that it was her. And yeah,
1: that. she'd probably say Zannie was at the house on the computer, you know. Well, she was like, they didn't have George's phone records. Hmm. To
0: ping, you know, like his location, oh. even though he yeah, he clocked in at three. So, yeah, uh, he was at work. Yep. <laughs> he would he wasn't a remote worker. That wasn't really a thing <laughs> back then. Yeah, you can't do remote security work. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Which he was doing security for a, a car dealership, I believe. Days passed, and the Anthony's started growing concerned about Kaylee. Casey said that she was going to be moving in with her boyfriend, Tony, with Kaylee. So the excuse she gave on the 16th was that she was going to be working late, and they were going to be staying the night at Sandy's. But several days passed, and they still had not seen Kaylee or Casey. So they were starting to grow concerned. It was completely out of the ordinary. They never go more than a day without seeing Kaylee. And um, every time Cindy would call Casey... She would just give her another excuse as to what they were doing. She'd claim Kaylee was fine. Every day she had a different story. But Cindy, after a while, started to reach her limit. And on July 3rd, Cindy took matters into her own hands. Casey had told her mother that Kaylee would be attending a character breakfast at Universal Studios. So Cindy decided she would try to find them. Oh, When she called Casey to let her know she was at Universal and wanted to find them so she could see Kaylee, Casey told her there was a change of plans. They were actually in Jacksonville visiting a friend. When Casey and Kaylee were due to arrive home, Casey had another excuse. She was having car trouble and she'd have to stay longer. The trip would be extended yet again. Casey told Cindy they'd be staying even longer because they needed to attend a wedding. And this just went on and on and on. July 15th, 2008 marked 30 days since Cindy and George had seen their granddaughter. Cindy had been concerned, but things were about to get a whole lot more distressing. That day of the 15th of July, Cindy and George were outside doing yard work and noticed a letter was placed on their front door. It was from Johnson's wreckage, and the letter was notifying them that a white Pontiac Sunfire registered to George Anthony was being held at their tow yard. How could that be? Yeah. Casey was in Jacksonville with the car. Hmm. Imagine the chills and the pit in your stomach that would have formed after seeing this. Yeah. It wasn't out of the ordinary for Casey to be deceptive, but now their grandchild was involved. Yep. So Cindy drops George off at the tow yard to retrieve the car. And as George is being taken to the car, he chats with Simon Birch, who is the man that works at Johnson's Wreckage. And he's telling him about his concern, about how this is his daughter's car and they haven't seen her or their granddaughter in 30 days. As they approach the car, they are met with an overwhelming smell and it was coming from the trunk. George said a silent prayer that it was neither his daughter or his granddaughter inside the car. Simon told George that he'd smelled this odor before. Once he discovered an abandoned vehicle, and it had the same exact smell, and he discovered the body of a man who had committed suicide inside. Oh, God. George also was familiar with this smell from his time in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. They opened the trunk, and there was a bag of garbage filled with maggots. Simon hurled the bag over a fence where he'd later dispose of it in a dumpster. George got in the car and could barely, like, fucking breathe as he drove home. Ugh. And when Cindy saw the car, she immediately exclaims, what died? Oh, my God. George told her they had found rotting garbage in the trunk and the car had been at the lot since June 30th. So now they knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that Casey had been lying for a while. Yep. George had to be at work at 3 p.m. that afternoon, so they put the car in the garage to let it air out. Cindy went back to work, and she's telling all of her coworkers about what, what's been going on. She tells them about the car and this horrible smell, and they tell her that she needs to go to the police. So yeah. So at this point, Cindy agrees, yeah, it's probably time I get in touch with the police. Uh-huh. Um, but before she does that, she texts Casey and tells her there's a major problem that she needs to get home, but Casey doesn't give a fuck. She's unbothered. Of course she doesn't. Cindy decides to go through the Pontiac Sunfire to try and find anything she can that would lead her to Casey and Kaylee. Inside the car, she finds Kaylee's car seat, some of Casey's clothes, dryer sheets, and Casey's work bag. Inside, she finds the number for one of Casey's closest friends, Amy Hazinga. She gives Amy a call and asks if she'd seen Casey or Kaylee. Oddly enough, Amy had just dropped Casey off earlier that day at her boyfriend's. Amy agrees to let Cindy pick her up from the mall, and Cindy is telling her all about what's been going on. Amy directs Cindy to Tony's apartment, and when they get there, they find Casey, but no Kaylee. Cindy basically orders Casey out of the apartment and into the car, and the two drop off Amy. Cindy questions Casey, where is Kaylee? But Casey pulls the same old, she's with Zannie, the babysitter. But at this point, Cindy is done and will not be denied access to her granddaughter. It has been 30 days. She decides the only way she's going to get answers is to get the police involved. So she drives the two of them to the Orlando Police Department, but it's closed. So Cindy decides to call 911 from the parking lot so she can find a police department to bring in Casey. They tell Cindy that they're going to have to transfer her call to an office in her jurisdiction. And while the call is being transferred, you can hear a conversation between Cindy and Casey.
4: My next thing will be down to child thing, and we'll have a court order to get her. That's what you want to say, We'll do it, and you'll never. Well, then you have. No, I'm not giving you another day. I've given you a month. All
1: right. So, if you couldn't hear that, I'll go ahead and read it to you. Cindy says, "While the call is being transferred, because my next thing will be down to child thing, and we'll have a court order to get her." If that's the way you want to play, we'll do it. And you'll never, we can assume Cindy is going to say, you'll, you'll never see Kaylee again, but Casey cuts her off and says, that's not the way I want to play. And then Cindy says, well, you have. And then Casey cuts her off and says one more day. And Cindy says, no, I'm not giving you another day. I've given you a month. I don't know why that like gives me goosebumps. That I, uh, <sighs> Her asking for one
0: more day what is, is fucked. <laughs> yeah. Like one more day for what? Right. What is she asking for one more day for to produce
1: her child? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't either. So that call ends up dropping and Cindy and Casey return to the Anthony home. While all this is going on, George calls Lee Anthony, Casey's brother, and tells him to come to the house. This was going to be a proper intervention. Lee comes over and George shows him Casey's car and he immediately notices an overpowering smell. Lee starts pressing Casey for information while Cindy makes a second 911 call to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. She tells them that she wants her 22-year-old daughter arrested for stealing their car. She also mentions that she hasn't seen her almost 3-year-old granddaughter in 30 days and that her daughter will not tell her where she is. Casey Anthony was backed into a corner. Her brother would not let up. Her mother refused to let it go either, and the police were on their way. At this moment, Casey comes up with a new lie. She tells them that Kaylee was kidnapped by the babysitter. The babysitter that no one had ever met, and her brother had never even heard of. Casey gives the name Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez, otherwise known as Zanny the Nanny. Cindy's first response was, what did you do? She's in a downright panic and calls 911 for a third time.
4: Hello, your emergency. <laughs> I called a little bit ago, the deputy sheriff, Zanny, I found out my granddaughter has some taken. She has some misinformed, for a month finally admitted that she's been missed. Okay, what is the okay, address that you're calling from? 4937 Hope Spring Drive. We're talking about a three-year-old little girl. 4937 what? Hope Spring, H-O-P-E-S-P-R-I-M-G, Drive, Orlando. My daughter finally admitted that the baby turns store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your ba- the baby is where? It just said it took her a month ago that my daughter's been looking for. I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. She just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. Anthony. Julie Anthony? Yes. Okay, is she white, black, or Hispanic? She's white. How long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since the 7th of June. What is her date of birth? <laughs> um, 8, eight 9, oh god, she's three, she's 2005. <laughs> So it's Kay listen! missing. listen! who's missing. Kay who's missing. Kay who's to She's missing Okay, I just can I need, I, I understand. Can you just, can you calm down for me for just a minute and just, I need to know what's going on, okay? I'm going to try and stop. I'm rude, really do Is your daughter there? I am a with them. Is your daughter there? Yes. Can I speak with her? Do you mind if I speak with her? Thank you. I called them two hours ago. They haven't gotten here. Can you finally a minute from He took her a month ago. Ma'am. Ma'am. Can you here? They want to talk to you? Answer the question. Hello. Hello? Yes. Hi. Well, can you, can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry. Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I've tried to contact her. I actually received a phone call today. Now from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a moment, about a minute. Okay, she did you guys call and report a vehicle stolen? Um, yes, my mom did. Oops. Okay, it's so there a vehicle yes. stolen too? No, this was my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? Um, It's a 98 Pontiac Sunfire. Okay, I have deputies on the way to you right now for that. But now you're three now old. You're three year old. I was missing. Kaylee Anthony. Yes. White Kayleigh female. Anthony. Yes, white female. Three years old, eight, nine 2005, the date of birth. Yes. And you last saw her a month ago? 31 days. From 31 days. Who has her? Do you, have, do you have a name? Her name is Zenaiva Fernandez-Dunvalis. Gonzalez. is that? Babysitter? She's, she's been my nanny for about a year and a half, almost two years. And, why, why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try to find her, which was stupid.
0: This... 911 call infuriates me, I think, like the most.
1: (laughs) It makes me want to cry.
0: Um, She's saying that she called or got to speak to Kaylee that day. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then the number on the same day just went out of service. Yeah. Lie number one.
1: (laughs) Um. Also, when Cindy is trying to get Casey to come onto the phone, something that pisses me off. She's like, Casey, they want to talk to you. And she's like, I have nothing to say to them. Oh, I can understand what she said there. you have a missing daughter, like, why wouldn't you want to talk to them? Yeah. Why don't you want to help? Yeah. Well,
0: and like the 911 call, I mean, uh, operator asked, why are you calling 31 days later? You bitch.
1: (laughs) I was just going through my own resources. Yeah. Okay. This call, yeah, it, it... Every time I listen to it, I get chills. I want to cry. Cindy Anthony's distraught, like completely, completely.
0: And the and the video that you played, oh my god, um, it was from the trial when they were playing the nine one one call for the jury, mm-hmm. and she is just like in shambles, listening to this nine one one call again.
1: Oh God! So police arrive not knowing what kind of situation they're about to walk in on. Mm -hmm. Because initially they were called and told that this was a situation where there was a stolen car. So when they arrive, gears shift quickly and Casey spins them a tale about how her babysitter, Zanny, or Zanaida Fernandez-Gonzalez, has taken her daughter Police ask Casey where this nanny lives, and Casey tells them she lives at the Sawgrass Apartments, so they quickly head over there, and Casey points out the apartment where she last saw her daughter and said, that's where I dropped off Kaylee on June 9th, 2008, which isn't even the right day. Oh, yeah. She can't even get the day right. Yeah. So police go up to the apartment door, knock, and there's no answer. So they peer in the window, and they notice that the apartment is vacant. As it oh turns God. out, no one has lived in that apartment since February. Oh my God! So, are you surprised that
0: Casey's lying? Well, the- no, not at all. But I'm. I guess I'm not surprised about this either. But I, I was about to say I'm surprised she thinks that she's going to get away with anything. But it's
4: unbelievable. Fucking did, so
0: unbelievable! <laughs> it's crazy the amount. Just the, I mean. It's a
1: mountain of lies. She just doesn't give a fuck. She's like in the car like, yeah, it's right there. They go up to the door like, what does she think is going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. So officers drop Casey off back at her parents' house while they go to Tony Lazara's apartment to retrieve her cell phone. During this time, someone deletes Casey's browser history. Huh. When the police return... They ask Casey to give them every detail about who this Sanny person is that took her daughter. She walks them through it that she dropped Kaylee off at Zenaida's on the 9th of June, and that was the last time she saw Kaylee. They called Detective Melich out to the house, and he takes Casey on a short walk away from the family, and he probes her on whether or not this is a domestic situation, and she just didn't want her child near her parents, like... Is it something like that? Like, she's just saying this so her parents can't see her kid? Is there something going on with her mom and dad? But Casey sticks to her story. They were unable to reach Zenaida from Casey's cell, and Casey tells them she had found the nanny from one of her coworkers at Universal and that she had told some of her coworkers about the situation. So the police are very interested in speaking with these colleagues to gather more information so this is when Casey gives them some names, one being Juliet Lewis. Who which, doesn't exist, Who right? doesn't exist, but who's <laughs> also an actress. Like, yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, and so the police take these names. They contact Universal to confirm that the employees Casey mentioned were available for interviews. And on this call, Detective Mellish learns that Casey hasn't worked at Universal for years. And the people she mentioned also don't work there. But, love this, they decide to take Casey up there to see what happens, knowing full well that she's lying. I love this too. It's so hilarious. So they head to Universal and they go to the HR office and Casey is denied access at the security gate. She said she forgot her identification. She says she works there. And since she's with police, they allow her to go in. Mm -hmm. So she's walking down the hallways with purpose and goes into the administrative building. She's waving to all the different employees. And they wave back, but they they look pretty confused. Like, who the hell is this person? Right. (laughs) They wander around this building for nearly an hour. (laughs) oh my god i didn't realize it was that long like what is she saying oh i forgot where what office How is my office like, What? what is that yeah she finally makes her way to the end of a hall there's a dead end and casey puts her hands in her back pockets smiles and says all right i don't work here oh
0: my god oh my god I, I just love that police decided to go ahead and put her in that situation mm-hmm. and see, just watch her squirm, basically. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's very telling. Everything that yeah. she's saying and doing. And so at this point, they pull her into a conference room to ask her some questions. And that's where Casey admits that she does not work at Universal, but she will not waver about her story about the nanny. The detectives show her pictures from the driver's license database of people named Zenaida Gonzalez, but she doesn't recognize any of them. And she's going on about Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez and how she's from New York and that she knows that her dad's name is like Vinny or something. Like, she's giving so many details. Yeah. I think it was Victor. Victor, yeah. Yeah. She's giving so many details that no one would know. Right. Like, I would not know that about my babysitter. She's, no. like, just trying to sound so believable. She does this all the time. Every time you hear her talk, she's she gives so many details. She, like, repeats things in a way where she's, like, telling a story. She does it all the time. And I think it's just, like, a telltale tell sign yes. that you're lying. Well, yeah. And she does that a lot in the police interviews,
0: too, where she'll just... Instead of giving a succinct answer, which is what you would normally
1: do, she gives more context over context. She never says, I don't know, to anything other than where her daughter is. Yeah. She never just says, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Like a normal human being. Yeah. So since Casey lied to the police, she was arrested on July 16th and charged with child neglect, making false statements to the police and obstructing an investigation, Her bond was set at $500,000. So at this point, I think we can take a little bit of a break. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. we got a lot more to cover.
0: And we're back. And we're back.
1: Now I'd like to walk you through what Casey was actually doing during the 30 days since Kaylee was last seen. Day one. June 16th was the last day the Anthony family saw Kaylee. Casey Anthony's cell phone records show that she didn't leave the house until after 4 p.m. that day, despite George saying he saw her leave the residence at 12 50 p.m. George recalls Casey saying she was going to take Kaylee to see Zannie and that they'd most likely be spending the night with the babysitter due to Casey getting off work late that night. But we all know now that Casey didn't have a job, and we also know that there was no babysitter named Annie. That night, Casey was seen on surveillance video with her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, at a blockbuster at 7.54 p.m., but Kaylee Anthony was nowhere to be seen. This led them to believe that Kaylee must have disappeared earlier that day. Day 2, June 17th. Casey was at her boyfriend's apartment until 2 p.m., according to her cell phone records. She then returns to her parents' home on Hope Springs Drive and was there from 2.45 to 4 p.m. Her car was seen by a neighbor named Brian Burke, and he noticed Casey backing into the garage. Casey told her mother that Kaylee was with the nanny and that they'd be spending the night with her again. But in reality, Casey would be spending the night with her boyfriend, Tony. Tony reports that Kaylee was not with them. Day three, June 18th, was a similar story. Cell phone records show Casey at Tony's until 12.30 p.m. From 12.30 to 1.15, Casey attempts to call her parents. She returns to the Anthony home and backs her car into the garage. At about 1.30 in the afternoon, Casey goes to Brian Burke's house, the neighbor, and asks to borrow a shovel. She claims there was a bamboo root that she kept tripping over and she wanted to dig it up. He would testify that she had the shovel for about an hour or so. George was working his usual shift from 3 to 11 p.m. that day. At this point, Cindy was concerned about the whereabouts of Kaylee. She'd never spent more than a day away from the Anthony home in her life. Casey told her mother that she'd be in Tampa for a work conference and Kaylee would be with the babysitter Annie as well as two other people, Juliet and Annabelle. These people did not exist, and Casey would again spend the night with her boyfriend, and Kaylee was not present. On the fourth day, Casey was with her boyfriend, Tony, looking for apartments. And on the fifth day, June 20th, George Anthony was off work, and Cindy contacts Casey and continues to press about where Kaylee is, Casey says that Kaylee is with her in Tampa at Busch Gardens at a conference, and it was going to roll into Saturday. But Casey was not in Tampa with Kaylee for a conference. That night, Casey would go out to a club called Fusion with her boyfriend, where she would participate in a hot body contest where she was photographed.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So I've pulled up some images here.
0: Yeah. What are we looking at? So... We are looking at pictures of Casey. I'm going to say she's likely drunk in these pictures, which, big deal, I guess. But she is obviously out partying, having a good time. She's, like, dancing, grinding up on some girl. There's another girl, like, kissing her on the cheek, and she's dancing with some guy singing into a microphone. Just doesn't look like something a mother of a missing toddler would
1: be out doing. She doesn't look worried. She doesn't look concerned. She looks like she's having the time of her fucking life. Yeah, she does. Days six, seven and eight would go by and friends start to ask Casey where Kaylee is. So can I interject for just a second? I would love that. Day
0: six would have been June 21st, correct? Yes. Okay. On June 21st, Casey writes a diary entry, and I'll read it to you. It says it's it says June twenty first at the top. And it says, I have no regrets, just a bit worried. I just want for everything to work out. Okay. I completely trust my own judgment. And I know that I made the right decision. I just hope that the end justifies the means. I just want to know what the future will hold for me. I guess I will soon see. This is the happiest that I have been in a very long time. I hope that my happiness will continue to grow. I've made new friends that I really like. I've surrounded myself with good people. I am finally happy. Let's just hope that it doesn't change. Ew. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Oh, my God. Her daughter's missing for six days. Mm-hmm. That she She later admits that she had been missing, so she had have known that she was quote-unquote missing at this point.
1: Yeah, that's nuts and disgusting. Mm -hmm. So days six, seven, and eight go by, and friends are asking Casey where Kaylee is. And Casey tells some people that she's at the beach, and then she also tells her mom she's still in Tampa. On June 23rd, Casey is driving in the direction of her parents' house when she runs out of gas, this is a common theme for Casey. She calls her boyfriend and he picks her up and they drive to her parents' house while they're at work. And Tony and Casey break into her father's shed and steal two gas cans that George keeps full just in case. Or perhaps for his lawnmower. Who knows? Yeah. Later that day, Cindy asks about when she can see Kaylee and Casey responds that Zanny is in the hospital in Tampa. She was involved in an, in an accident, and that Kaylee was with Juliet and Annabelle while Casey tins to Zanny. Uh, Oh my God. uh. The next day, George was supposed to be at work at his typical 3 to 11 p.m. shift, but he had an interview that day. He goes to his shed to get his gas cans to fuel up his lawnmower and notices that the lock to the shed is broken and his gas cans are missing. He contacts the sheriff's office and fills out a statement. He makes sure to let the neighbors know that there's a vandal and to be on the lookout. Later that day, Casey shows up at the house in her white Pontiac Sunfire. This is the first time in 10 days he's seen his daughter, and he asks where Kaylee is. Says he misses her, wants to see her. Casey dismissed him and said she had to get back to work. George begins to suspect that maybe it was Casey who took his gas cans. So he said he needs to get something out of her trunk. And as he's like moving toward the trunk, Casey immediately goes to the car, grabs the gas cans and tosses them at him and says, here's your fucking cans and drove off. Just like very bizarre behavior. Yeah. Like, did he, did she not want him to go in the trunk? You're right. the thought that I had. Yes. June 27th, the 12th day of no Kaylee, Casey runs out of gas again. Tony comes to pick her up outside of an Amscot, which is one of those cash advance places. And this is where Casey abandons her car in the parking lot beside a dumpster. She takes out some grocery bags of clothes and gets in the car with Tony and they leave. There's surveillance of the couple at JCPenney. Casey bought some shoes, and that night, they went back to the club, Fusion. Cindy is still asking Casey about Kaylee, and Casey tells her that they are back in town, but she has a late meeting that night, and that they would be staying at the Hard Rock Hotel with an acquaintance. On July 3rd, Cindy creates a MySpace account where she posts a journal entry, and it says, My Kaylee is missing. Current mood distraught. She came into my life unexpectedly, just as she left me. This precious little angel from above gave me strength and unconditional love. Now she is gone, and I don't know why. All I am guilty of is loving her and providing her a safe home. Jealousy has taken her away. Jealousy from the one person that should be thankful for all of the love and support given to her. A mother's love is deep. However, there are limits when one is betrayed by the one she loved and trusted the most. A daughter comes to her mother for support when she is pregnant. The mother says, without hesitation, it will be okay. And it was. But then the lies and betrayal begin. First, it seemed harmless. Ah, love is blind. A mother will look for the good in her child and give them a chance to change. This mother gave chance after chance for her daughter to change but instead more lies more betrayal what does a mother get for giving her daughter all of these chances a broken heart the daughter who stole money lots of money leaves without warning and does not let her mother now speak to the baby that her mother raised fed clothed sheltered paid her medical bills etc instead tells her friends that her mother is controlling her life and she needs her space no money no future Where did she go? Who is now watching out for the little angel? On July 7th, Casey posts a journal entry on MySpace, and it appears to be in response to her mother's post.
0: Oh, God. Classic.
1: It says, well, the title of it is Diary of Days, and it says, on the worst of days, remember the words spoken. Trust no one, only yourself. With great power comes great consequence. What is given can be taken away. Everyone lies. Everyone dies. Life will never be easy. On the worst of days, remember the words spoken. Hold your head high. Smile. Laugh. Love unconditionally. Tomorrow is a brand new day. And then she has currently watching American Psycho. (laughs)
0: What the fuck?
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
0: I don't know what that means either. It's just bullshit.
1: And she misquoted that with great power comes great responsibility. She says comes great consequence. Oh, yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> she implying that her mother has great power and with that comes great consequence. Yes, I think that's
0: exactly what she's saying. And she's saying that what is given can be taken away. Like she's keeping Kaylee from her or something.
1: Every day, Casey feeds Cindy a new lie, only delaying the inevitable. Casey's car is eventually towed away to Johnson's wreckage and Casey gets a tattoo. Any guesses what she got? Oh, I already know. (laughs) Bella Vita. She got a tattoo on her shoulder that said Bella Vita, which means beautiful life. An Italian. Your kid is missing. Yeah. Gone.
0: Yeah. You really think life is beautiful right now? And you get this. Yeah. This is what you get. It's, you know, really, if what you're saying is true,
1: should be the worst time of your life. Right. Casey spends her days shopping with friends, clubbing at Fusion Nightclub, Voyage, and another club called Mako. Just hitting them all up. God, she appears to be having the time of her life. For Cindy, every day is a new story. One day she's taking Kaylee to SeaWorld. The next they're heading to Jacksonville where her car breaks down. Who knows how long this would have gone on had the wreckage yard not sent the Anthony's a letter about their daughter's white Pontiac Sunfire. So that is essentially what Casey was up to the entire 30 days. Her daughter was supposedly kidnapped Doesn't really seem like she was too concerned at all. Mm -mm. The media picked up on the story quickly. Tips started coming in. The Anthony's were bombarded with interviews. On July 16th, Casey calls her family from jail, and the call is a perfect representation of the shit stain of a human.
4: Hello? Hello, this is a free call from... Casey. An inmate from the Orange County Correction Center for a rate quote press 7. To accept this free call, press 0. To obtain a customer... This call is subject to monitoring and recording. Thank you for using Global Tell Link. Casey? Mom. Hey, sweetie. Well, you... I just saw your nice little cameo on TV. What's one? What do you mean, which one? Which one? I just four different ones and I don't know, I haven't seen them all, I've only seen one or two so far. You don't know what my involvement is and stuff? Casey. Mom. What? No. I don't know Seriously. what your involvement is, sweetheart. You, you're you not telling me where she's at. Because I don't fucking know where she's at, are you kidding Casey. me? Casey, don't waste your call. No. I waste me. my call sitting in, oh, the, the jail, in where the bunks are. But whose fault is you're sitting in the jail? You're blaming me that you're sitting in the jail. Blame no, yourself for telling lies. You mean it's not your fault? What do you mean it's not your fault, sweetheart? If you'd have told them the truth and not lied about everything, they wouldn't. Do me a favor, just tell me what Tony's number is. I don't want to talk to you right now. Forget it. I don't have his number. Um, we'll get it from Lee because I know Lee's at the house. I saw Mallory's car was out front. It was just on the news. They were just live outside the house. I know they were. Well.
3: Well, can you get Tony's number for me so I can call him? Hey. Hey, can you give me Tony's number? I, I can do that. I don't
4: know what real good it's going to do at this point. Well, I'd like to talk to him anyway. Okay. Because I called to talk to my mother and it it's a fucking waste. Oh, by the way, I don't want any of you coming up here when I have my my first hearing for bond and everything else. Like, don't even fucking waste your time coming up here.
3: You know, you're having a real tough. You're making it real tough for anybody to want to try to, even if you with is giving you somebody's phone number. You're not even let me finish. Well, like, I really. Good. You're asking me. First, you're asking me for Tony's phone number so you can call him. And then you immediately want to start cussing towards me and saying, don't even worry about coming up here for all this stuff and trying to cut us out. I'm I'm not trying to cut
4: anybody
3: out. I'm not going around and around with you. You know, that's pretty pointless. Uh, I'm not going to go through, not going to put everybody else through the same stuff that you've been putting the police and everybody else through for the last 24 hours and the stuff you've been putting mom through for the last four or five weeks. I'm done with that. So you can tell me what's going on. Christina would love to talk to you because she thinks that you will tell her what's going on. Frankly, we're going to find out. Something, whatever's going on, is going to be found out. So why not do it now? They've There's nothing to find she, out. There's absolutely nothing
4: to find out. Not even what I told the detective.
3: Well, you know, everything she's telling them is a lot. If I knew where Kaylee was, do you think any
4: of this would be happening? No.
3: Anyway, you only got a couple minutes with us, so I'm not gonna let you completely waste it. Here's Christina; she thinks she can get through. No,
4: no, I want Tony's number. I'm not talking to anybody else. Hello. Hi. I'm glad everybody's at my house. I'll have to call you later. I'll have to call somebody to get your number. Do me a favor. Get my brother back because I need Tony's number. Okay. Um, is there anything I can do for you? I'm sitting in jail. There's nothing anybody can do right now. Oh, I'm just trying to be... Oh, I know you are, honey. I, I absolutely know that you are, and I appreciate everything that you're trying to do, but I'm, I'd i like to call Tony. He's not at my house, is he? No, okay. no, it's just me and your parents and Lee. Okay, well, can you do me a favor and get my brother back or get the number from him, please? Um, do, does Tony have anything to do with Kaylee? No. Nothing. Okay, so why do you want to talk to Tony? I, you, don't want to, you probably don't want to tell me, do you? Huh? You probably don't want to tell me, do you? Wait, well, I didn't hear what you said. I said, did Tony have anything to do with Kaylee? No, Tony had nothing to do with Kaylee. Oh, so why do you want to talk to him? Because you to tell me. he's my boyfriend and I want to actually try to sit and talk to him because I didn't get a chance to talk to him earlier because I got arrested on a fucking whim today. Because they're blaming me for stuff that I never would do, that I didn't do. Okay. Cool. I'm on nobody. I'm on your side, you know that, right? Oh, actually, I, I know that. I just want to talk to Tony and get a little bit of... Wait. Uh, Casey, uh, you have to tell me if you know anything about Kaylee. Wait, if, if anything if I happens with Kaylee, Casey, I'll die. If you understand? I'll die. If anything Hello. happens to that baby... Oh my god, calling you guys? A waste. Huge waste. Honey, I love you. You know I would not let anything happen to my daughter. If I knew where she was, this wouldn't be going on. Well, how come everybody's saying you're lying? Because nobody's fucking listening to anything that I'm saying. The media completely misconstrued everything that I said. The fucking detectives told them fucking bullshit they got all of their information from me yet at the same time they're twisting stuff they they've already said they're going to pin this on me if they don't find kaylee they've already said that well they arrested me because they said that yeah because they said that the person that you dropped kaylee with doesn't even exist because oh look they can't find her in the florida database she's not just from florida If they would actually listen to anything that I would have said to them, they would have had her leave. They maybe could have tracked her down. They haven't listened to a fucking thing that I've said. You know that that whoever has Kaylee, nobody's going to get away with it. I just love
0: that she, first of all, she immediately redirects the conversation with her mom when she starts talking about. I can't remember what she was saying at that time, but she redirects the conversation with her mom. It's just like, can you get Tony's number for me? Yeah.
1: And (laughs) anytime anyone shows any concern for Kaylee, she's just like, oh my God, waste. Yeah. Waste talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, people are concerned for your daughter. You're not. Yeah. Why is that so outrageous to you?
0: Like, and it's not a coincidence that nobody is listening to what you're fucking saying. And it's, (laughs) If there's a reason for that, is because you are lying to them constantly. Constantly. And you thinking that people can't see through it is like really naive.
1: The whole like sweetheart, honey. Oh, I hate stuff that stuff. Oh, I just hate that. Enrages me. Yes. You would think like she's sitting in jail to hear from her family would just be so nice. Mm-hmm. Like a nice comfort and The fact that they want to help find her daughter. Yes. And she's just... Just give me Tony's number. Um, Casey, honey. Sweetheart. Sweetheart. Tony doesn't want to talk to you. I, I didn't put this into the story, but the day that she was taken by police around all around Orlando, she was texting Tony, like telling him what was going on. And he was just like, why wouldn't you report this like yeah what's going on and he's yeah just like, she's just like i'm so scared i was in handcuffs for like 10 minutes and he she's like trying to get him to be like oh baby it's okay but he's just like not having it happening <laughs> yeah like, he, oh yeah not having it doesn't yeah wow damn got shut down on the evening of July 16th, the police seized the white Pontiac Sunfire and they located the trash bag that was thrown out of the trunk the day prior. Inside, there was just, you know, old pizza, just like garbage, nothing of note. But police find a woman named Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez and bring her in for an interview. She does not know who <laughs> Casey or Kaylee Anthony Can you imagine? Are. <laughs> Dude. She's like, um, I have absolutely no clue why I'm being pulled into this. So Casey had found this woman after she had left an application for an apartment at the Sawmill Apartments. So she had just like made a note of the name at some point and used it to for her fake nanny. And as we said, the nanny story, was completely fake uh was cleared and she went on to file a defamation lawsuit against casey which was later dropped because it wasn't as if casey was trying to harm her she just used a name yeah but she lost her job and stuff like oh my god this affected this woman yeah that's horrible on july 17th the police had one of their cadaver dogs do a sweep around the pontiac sunfire the dog immediately picks up on the odor of human remains in the trunk. The dog was taken to the Anthony residence to search for evidence in the yard, and the dog alerted to the odor of decomp in Kaylee's playhouse. Another dog came, and that dog also alerted to the odor of human decomp at the playhouse in the Anthony's backyard. They dug up the areas where the dogs had alerted, but they did not find Kaylee. They took samples of hair, air, carpet, etc. from the Pontiac. They took DNA samples of the whole family. All of the samples were sent to the FBI. So they found a hair in the trunk of the car, a nine inch long hair. And there was a distinctive band of discoloration that occurs at the root at the end of the hair under unique circumstances. So this typically happens when hair is taken from a decomposing body. A dead body had been in the trunk of Casey Anthony's car. I mean, yeah, there was a dead body in the trunk of Casey Anthony's car. DNA samples concluded that the hair from the trunk was the hair of Kaylee Marie Anthony. They also found one of the highest concentrations of chloroform that they'd ever seen in the trunk of the car. And this wasn't caused by human decomp alone. The hard drive from Anthony's desktop computer was removed as well. There was a keyword search for the word chloroform on the hard drive. On March 17th and March 21st of 2008, chloroform was searched. How to make chloroform? Cindy and George were working on those days. The person making those searches can be assumed to be Casey Anthony, the only person that was in the house that day. Although Cindy would say while testifying in court that it was her that made those searches, she claimed that she was typing in chlorophyll because the family dog kept eating bamboo in their backyard and she wanted to search for the toxicity. Of chlorophyll specifically? This is another instance of Cindy. Trying to protect Casey. Yeah, because why would you search chlorophyll? (laughs) You would search bamboo, not chlorophyll. Or toxicity of bamboo. Exactly. Plant toxicity, like chlorophyll
0: yeah (laughs) that's like i'm trying to think of a good example but um i don't know it's like searching for the toxicity of yeah like anything that your pet ate like say they ate like a cake and you're like toxicity of eggs
1: yeah or (laughs) or like you search cacao yeah (laughs) and it takes you to chlorophyll or i mean it takes you to Chloroform. (laughs) July 18th, 2008, Casey Anthony hires Jose Baez as her legal attorney. Casey heard about Baez from another inmate. So at this time, Jose Baez was a popular defense lawyer in the Latino community. The case against Casey Anthony would make him famous, and he'd go on to represent more scumbags, such as Aaron Hernandez and Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah, that's right. On the dates of August 11th, 12th, and 13th, a meter reader by the name of Roy Cronk calls police several times reporting a suspicious bag he discovered while on the job. The area where he discovered the bag was a wooded lot not far from the Anthony home. He claimed he could see something that appeared to be a small skull and bones inside of the bag. An officer by the name of Deputy Richard Kane met Cronk at the scene where he performed a cursory search where he claimed he found nothing. Cronk reports the officer was rude and frustrated with him for dragging him out in the rain. But on December 11th, Roy Cronk finds himself back at the same area and decides to check to see if the bag was still there. And it was. Kronk took a stick and was able to lift a small human skull out of the bag. And that is when he called the police for a fourth time to report what he found.
0: I, that appalls me that they didn't find it the first time.
1: Well, the cop who went out there the first time was disciplined for that. He oh, really? He did not obviously perform yeah. his job that no, day. he didn't. So he told the dispatcher that he thinks he found a body and he's not far from the Anthony home because at this point, like, the news is out there that there's a missing child, and so everyone's on high alert. Yeah. This time, police took him seriously and were, were able to recover the body. She was found only 15 houses down from the Anthony home on Hope Spring Drive. Oh, my God. On the same road. So I just pulled up an image here, and you can see that the Anthony residence is down here in 15 houses up. That's where Kaylee Anthony's body was discovered in a wooded lot on the side of the road. On December 19th, DNA tests confirmed that the remains were that of Kaylee Anthony. All that remained of Kaylee were bones and some hair. A strip of duct tape was found holding the mandible to the skull. Kaylee's hair was found matted underneath the tape. She was wrapped in her favorite Winnie the Pooh blanket and placed in a laundry bag that was then put inside of a trash bag. After this discovery, the police obtained a search warrant for the Anthony home. There they found that the laundry bag was part of a set and the mate was inside of the Anthony home. They also were able to locate the same brand of duct tape that was found over Kaylee's nose and mouth. They also found bedding that matched the blanket that she was wrapped in. Kaylee was finally found six months after she was last seen. But I want to back up for a second. Roy Krunk, the man who called in the tips of a potential body, made those first calls August 11th through 13th. About a week or so later, Casey is bailed out of jail by a famous bail bondsman by the name of Leonard Padilla
0: bro (laughs) this dude is like he's got a long ass rifle and a cowboy
1: hat on and a bolo tie he was like on several reality tv shows about bounty hunters i think he was on american bounty hunter oh well he decided it would be worth a shot to bail casey out so she could help with the search for her daughter
0: what
1: so he paid her five hundred thousand dollar bail and she was released and fitted with an ankle monitor. But surprise, surprise, she did nothing to aid in the search for Kaylee. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. A week after her release, Casey was arrested again on charges of writing four checks worth nearly $650 from her best friend Amy Hazinga's checking account. Oh my god, dude. So she was stealing checks from her friend. Holy
0: shit. I would never, I could never imagine doing that to you. I know. I always <laughs> like,
1: put myself in that situation. Like, what if I did? What if Mallory did that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. But again, she was released, but this time her parents paid the $500,000 bail. Ten days later, Casey turns herself in on more check fraud charges. But again, her bail is posted and she's released the next day.
0: Damn, where's where are they getting all this money? I guess they'd probably go through a bail bondsman or something. I think this third one was just only like
1: twelve hundred dollars or something small. Uh, but like okay. the other ones were pretty high. Yeah, the huge. Like totaling a million dollars. Yeah. Casey is free for nearly a month, but on October 14th, she is indicted by a grand jury on charges of first degree murder, aggravated child abuse aggravated manslaughter of a child and four counts of providing false information to police. She is placed under arrest and held without bond. In early November, Texas EquiSearch leads hundreds of volunteers in a search for Kaylee Anthony, but they find nothing and the search is suspended. The Anthony family hire a private investigator by the name of Dominic Casey, and he leads his own search. So by this point, it's mid-November. Something weird. Dominic Casey leads a search in the same exact area where Roy Cronk had reported finding the suspicious bag. Yeah. This was like in November, like a month before she's found. But he claims that he decided to search there on a tip he received from a psychic. Uh- Not because the Anthony's asked him to. Okay, sure. Whatever kind of weird it's a weird thing to just decide to claim in that weird in that spot well he was pressed like did who told you to search here after the fact after they found her they're like like why were you searching that area okay um obviously he found nothing at that point but it was reported that the area was under several inches of water kaylee's remains were found in that same area not even a month later A month after Kaylee's remains were discovered, George Anthony had attempted suicide. He was found by police in a hotel room under the influence of alcohol and some pills and had written an extensive suicide note. Nothing of note in the suicide note. I'm not going to read that. He was Baker acted and sent to Halifax Hospital for an evaluation. A public memorial was held for Kaylee on February 10th, at Orlando First Baptist Church, and over 1,200 people attended. Damn. And I hadn't seen anything about the memorial service until I watched that latest documentary. Yeah. With, <clears throat> with Casey. That was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. <sighs> it was a huge, like, imagine a mega church. It was at a huge mega church mm-hmm. filled with. People who don't even know who Kaylee is, I'm, I'm guessing. And they had people singing. They had people giving like... It was like a church service. It like, was. Basically. Which
0: has a- always pissed me off that funerals and shit. Because fu- every funeral I've been to has been a church service. And I don't understand it.
1: <laughs> I Well, the thing that pissed me off was... It was in the Anthony family's control how this was handled... And I feel like it would have been a whole lot more tasteful to just have like a private thing with family and friends yeah. who cared about Kaylee and um, not making it a media spectacle. Yeah. So that
0: just like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. There are, to be honest with you, a few things about Casey's parents that rubbed me the wrong way. And Oh, there are a
1: ton of things that rubbed me the wrong way about her parents. I yeah. think they're total media horrors, And I'm yes. sure they are grieving their granddaughter, but at the same time, um, I guess you can't really predict how you'd act in that situation. But
0: yeah, I don't know. You can cut this if you're going to mention it. But um, like when Kaylee was found, they had immediately like I don't know if they already had the boat, but like the same day yeah. or something went out on lakes with some search organization to try to find other missing kids
1: yeah it's super weird and they they got this like fancy ass boat like all tricked out and yeah was like have you it was like for and Casey. they
0: literally just found out that for certain kaylee was dead like yeah what <laughs> weird i what are
1: you doing i feel bad for the anthony family but at the same time i i feel like they're a little dysfunctional and probably a little god i don't know I shouldn't even say anything, but it does give me thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, the type of people who do that. That doesn't mean they're guilty of anything. It just means, like, the type of people. Like You exactly. can imagine who they are. Yes, you know, exactly. You probably know someone like that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. We did. <laughs> On May 24th, 2011, Casey Anthony's trial began. 12 jurors and five alternates were selected from Pinellas County in Clearwater, Florida, in an attempt to have a group that was unbiased. The jury was composed of five men and seven women. The prosecution consisted of Assistant State Attorney Jeff Ashton and Attorneys Linda Drain Burdick and Frank George. The prosecution's opening statement outlined Casey's history of Big Lies the days leading up to Kaylee's disappearance and walked us through what Casey was up to during the 30 days Kaylee was missing. They proposed that Casey murdered her daughter so that she could be free from the responsibility of motherhood, allowing her to pursue a party girl lifestyle untethered to her child. The defense consisted of Jose Bias, a Florida criminal defense attorney, and attorney's Jay Cheney Mason. Dorothy Clay Sims, and Anne Fennell, who served as co-counsel. All of these individuals are still close with Casey to this day and are the main cast of characters in the three-part series that was just released, which is pathetic, Yeah, might I add, that they were like the main characters in that show. Yeah. The only people speaking for her. Yeah. They were paid to be her friends. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Baez opened with a story about Casey, a girl who has made some problematic decisions and who without a doubt is a pathological liar. But he says there's a reason for that. He weaves a compelling story about how at the age of eight years old, Casey's father started coming into her room in the night and sexually abusing her. A bombshell, to say the least. He says that Kaylee drowned in the family swimming pool. He claimed that Casey just did what she'd been doing all of her life, hiding her pain. He claimed that Casey pretended that nothing had happened, like she had been doing her whole entire life, to protect herself. He then proceeds to tell the jury that George Anthony, a former police officer, decided to make the death look like a murder and dumped the body. The prosecution laid out all of the evidence. Everything we've already discussed. They laid out the lies Casey told, how her car, which was abandoned, smelled like decomposition, how the dogs alerted on the car, carpet samples were taken and tested, came back positive for chloroform, which could also be a cleaning agent, which both to me suggest foul play. Doesn't matter if it's chloroform or a cleaning agent like why are you fucking bleaching your fucking trunk yeah who does that yeah the hair found in the trunk with the banding that suggests it was attached to the head of a decomposing body whose dna also matched kaylee the 30 fucking days that kaylee was missing and the behavior of casey anthony they went over the internet search for chloroform and what they didn't go over was the history from Firefox, where, where Casey searched foolproof suffocation the day Kaylee went missing. Oh, I'm so
0: mad that that wasn't included in the trial.
1: I don't know how that happened. That's insane. Bias called experts to the stand that planted seeds of doubt in the jury's mind for every piece of evidence. The smell in the car? What about the trash in the trunk of the car? Multiple dogs were brought in to examine the car, and one of them did not alert on the smell. So how could you use that as evidence? The hair in the car could technically belong to Cindy or Casey. Although the hair was nine inches long and brown, Cindy had short blonde hair and Casey had short brown hair. The banding technically can occur on a living person too. The duct tape found on the skull did not have any DNA on either side of the tape. How could that be? The prosecution argues that the body was disposed of in the middle of summer. The amount of time and the elements destroyed the body. Why would they think DNA would somehow be preserved on the tape if the whole entire body was, like, gone? Yeah, yeah, it would be totally gone. The defense claims that Casey didn't call police or look for Kaylee as a trauma response. They had an excuse for everything. The seeds of doubt obviously made a huge impact on the jury. They deliberate for only 11 hours, and their verdict shocked the nation. They concluded that Casey Anthony was not guilty of all charges. Unreal. There are many theories out there, and I'd like to openly discuss them. Theories... Theories, people. Theories. So Casey's mother, Cindy Anthony, doesn't think Casey killed her daughter. She believes that on June 16th, 2008, Kaylee drowned in the family swimming pool while Casey was distracted on the phone or on her computer. She believes Casey panicked and disposed of her daughter's body. George, Casey's father, believes that Casey did something to cause the death of Kaylee. He thinks that Casey was giving Kaylee drugs. He suggests maybe Xanax to knock her out, and Kaylee was killed. He also thinks it could have been intentional. And so the two of them disagree, and obviously that causes a lot of conflict. I watched a documentary called Casey Anthony's Parents Speak, and several times they would just... Disagree and like have to get up and leave and like fight. Oh, I've seen. Oh, yes. my God, it was nuts. Yeah. Jeff Ashton, the prosecutor in the trial against Casey Anthony, says when he's prosecuting someone, his process is to sit down and think about how this crime could have been committed. He'll come up with theories, and as more evidence comes out, he can confirm or deny these theories. Jeff had one theory in the Casey Anthony trial, and that was that Kaylee died from a substance given to her by Casey with the intent to humanely kill her. Oh, he was convinced that Kaylee was killed by suffocation. The first piece of evidence that sided with this theory was when they found the duct tape over the skull of Kaylee's body. And then when he heard the new evidence of foolproof suffocation being searched on the Anthony computer, the last day Kaylee was seen, he was not surprised. So essentially he thinks Casey must have drugged Kaylee to put her to sleep and then just put duct tape over her mouth. And that's how she died. The Anthony's think that there must have been someone else in the house with Casey that day. Cindy insinuates that there was someone with her who made searches and deleted things off of the computer, which is so Cindy. She didn't want to say who, but she said she caught them doing it. Cindy cannot accept a reality where Casey drugged Kaylee and killed her because it doesn't make sense to her. She says that the only thing that makes sense to her is Kaylee drowning in the pool. And just to
0: me, that sounds like denial. Yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like
1: to me too. So when I was doing my research, I found a very popular Reddit post that outlines the entire case and a theory against George Anthony. The Redditor is called history mystery. And after doing extensive research, they believe that while Casey was preoccupied on the phone, Kaylee was able to get into the family pool where she drowned. They believe the body was then discovered by both George and Casey and George, leaves the home with Kaylee's body and disposes of her on the way to work. The evidence they claim that supports this theory was, one, the pool ladder was on the pool, something the family always were adamant about putting away for Kaylee's safety. Two, the way the body was disposed. It was disposed of 19 feet off the road, not far from the home. One would think if this was planned, the body would have been disposed of in a way that made it Less likely to be found. Three, the shift in Casey's behavior that day. Initially, everything seemed normal, and then there's a period of no activity on the phone or the computer. And then that's followed by a flurry of calls to Cindy, which could be how one would react if there was an accident. Four, George lied about the timeline of that day, saying Casey left with Kaylee to go to work at 12.50 when Casey's phone and internet history show otherwise. And then five, George and Casey's communication comes to a screeching halt, which is abnormal for the two. The Redditor also gives a few possibilities as to why they disposed of Kaylee instead of calling 911. One, one was George was molesting Kaylee and or was her biological father and didn't want it getting out and then two they were afraid of how Cindy would react so there was a theory I heard that I find to be a little bit more likely so I heard it and then I just basically basically just put it into my own words so consider the dynamics of the Anthony family the history, dysfunctional, codependent, wrought with lies and secrets, okay? hmm Casey is the product of her upbringing and has seemingly been enabled to continue her patterns of behavior. From what I know about this family, Cindy seems to be the head of the household. Things always feel rocky with George, squandering their money, cheating, just being a general disappointment but Cindy maintains a facade that all is well. So Casey has to fit into this narrative. So when Casey becomes pregnant, Cindy hides it just like she did when Casey didn't graduate high school. She insists her daughter must have this baby. So imagine the resentment and the angst that Casey must have. Yeah. Casey was once the star of the show, but now... It's all about Kaylee. Casey, now an adult, rebels in her own way. She lies about having a job. She provides any excuse she can to get her mother off her ass, basically. So she's stealing money from her family and friends, basically just so she could have her own needs met. She's lying to the extent that she has no backup plan, no plan for escape, just lying constantly. Now, remember how there is that big blow-up fight the night of July 15th? Yeah. That was the night before Kaylee goes missing. The general outcome of the fight was that Cindy said she was going to kick Casey out and get custody of Kaylee. Well, if you look at the prosecution's theory that Casey just didn't want to be a mother anymore, then this doesn't really mean much, right? Like, good riddance, take her. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Casey wanted to kill her daughter so she could go off partying. I think like Chandler Holderson. So when I see a lot of similarities in with Casey, yes, I think she wanted her parents to continue footing the bill, letting her stay there, taking care of her child whenever she wants. I think she wanted to continue not working. If they kicked Casey out, That meant she had to get her ass up and get a whole ass job. Find a place to live, pay the bills. And I think she also saw her mother taking Kaylee as her mother winning. Yeah. Kaylee was a pawn to Casey. Actually, Kaylee was a pawn in this family. Cindy threatened Casey on multiple occasions to take her daughter away from her. Cindy put on the face of the perfect mother and the perfect grandmother. And that had to be infuriating to Casey. I believe it's possible that the fight continued into the morning of the next day. And I think it's possible that Casey started to panic. Not only was her lifestyle about to be taken away, but potentially Kaylee, the only way she was able to get what she wanted, the only way she was able to receive attention from her parents, Kaylee is the only thing she had that kept her parents supporting her. Without Kaylee, she's shit out of luck. I think it is very likely that her parents left for work. Casey started to plan how she would kill Kaylee. She searched foolproof suffocation on her computer and somehow murdered her baby. As much as it makes me sick to think about, I can believe that Casey put her daughter in that pool and walked away to chat with her friends on the phone. And when she found her body, she called her parents over and over and over in an an attempt to get back control because there was like a flurry of phone calls at a certain point of that day. And I think she did this to get pity from her parents, to get them to take care of her again. I mean, obviously she didn't think this through. This wasn't just another lie she could brush off and people could forget. This was a life that couldn't be brought back. After not being able to reach her parents, too much time had passed, and I think she went with her same pattern of behavior. She had to cover this up with another lie and another lie. Something that doesn't entirely make sense to me with this theory is why wouldn't she call 911 first and then try to call her parents? Yeah. But Casey is an enigma. Maybe this was more about this thing with her parents and less about committing a murder that looks like an accident. This was more about her parents not making this look a certain way to authorities. I don't think she was even considering Kaylee as a life. So after not being able to get a hold of her parents, she panics. Maybe she puts the duct tape over Kaylee's mouth to prevent her from being revived. Puts her in the trunk and goes about her life until she can't hide the smell anymore, so then she ditches Kaylee, ditches the car, and continues playing the game as long as she can. to me, it makes more sense than George being involved so that's something like a theory I heard, and then also I like kind of just like tied in my own thoughts and feelings about everything after yeah. doing all my research so. yeah
0: i i that's an interesting. Angle, because I hadn't thought about her actually intentionally drowning her. Um, yeah, I mean, my opinion has always just been, I, I didn't necessarily. I mean, I still, I, I think that she killed her, and I think it was definitely because she just going off of like that diary entry and everything. She just didn't want to be a mom anymore. And I don't know, because I, they're in that new show. Um, one of her old friends, she still doesn't believe that she killed her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she was the best mom ever, blah, blah, blah. Which may have been true, I guess. I mean, I yeah. mean she took care of her up until that point. But she's 19. She's got tons of friends. And... 19-year-olds are stupid in the first place. Mm -hmm. I just think she wasn't ready for a kid. And, well, she wasn't 19 when she was killed, I guess. She was 22. 22. But still, that's still super young. And, yeah, I, I just think that she killed her to feel free to live her life and live at her boyfriend's house and go out and... Mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff.
1: I think a lot of people would bring up like her mom wanted to take Kaylee off her hands. Why didn't she just do that? And I think, yeah, that's a good point. A possibility could be that she didn't want her mom to have Kaylee out of spite. She wanted to spite them. Yes. And just take, yeah. a, take Kaylee from everyone. Yeah. As a fuck you. Um, Which, yeah, that's definitely a possibility.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I could totally believe that being the case.
0: Yeah, I do. I do
1: not think that her dad was involved. I don't either. I don't I really that. don't. After being acquitted of the murder charges, Casey was invited to move to South Florida to live with and work for Pat McKenna, which was one of the lead investigators for Casey's defense. Crazy to me. Insane.
0: I was a, I was like, in disbelief when I saw that I was like, You were a lead investigator on this case. You sat through all of her lies in the beginning, and you're now
1: trusting her with your research. (laughs) Well, do you know what other cases he was a lead investigator for?
0: Oh, I know. He worked on OJ,
1: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he really, he. Dude. I don't know. So Casey has been pat research assistant for the past 10 or so years and as i said to give you a little insight he was an investigator for oj simpson's defense so maybe you're seeing a little bit of a pattern yeah mckenna serves like, as the cindy and george anthony replacement is how i see it yeah she's got a new family with him yeah and um he makes sure casey has everything she needs yes you know he, he he's providing her a free place to live yeah. a job well apparently
0: you know. she went to live with him pretty quickly i think yep. after
1: the after yep. she was acquitted. like almost immediately yeah he even helped her start her own photography business which she launched in 2016 called case photography um, <sighs> doing family photos
0: oh my god who are these people <laughs> but the LLC her. is
1: no longer active. So I guess not a whole lot of people wanted, <laughs> wanted their family photos taken by a baby murderer.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't. No, thanks.
1: Don't get mad that I called her a baby murderer just because she was found innocent by 12 randos because they didn't see a video of her murdering her child. Can I just say, oh my God, you, it pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable these people deliberated for 11 hours i think they had it in their head right from the beginning oh we don't know for sure it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt do you understand that Mm -hmm. you have to use your brain a little bit like what facts are presented to you can you it's not like yeah, you're not going to have a video of someone murdering someone at every fucking case. you no. have to use your noggin. You got to use logic, and
0: yeah, just listen to the facts. They were presented to you, and then <laughs> I don't know. It's just so crazy that I the mean, def- defense's story.
1: Um, there was no, there was no evidence of anything. The defense provided
0: i think that the defense was able to put enough doubt Doubt. in their brain that's it
1: and that's that's why they didn't accuse convict her yep there was an alternative path that could have happened yeah but there's an alternative path that could have happened in any trial yes this one (laughs) foolproof i think it was a little foolproof like there was so much evidence. She didn't report her child missing for over 30 days. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There was decomposition in the trunk of her car. Yes. The body was found with the laundry bag from their home, the blanket from her home, mm-hmm. duct tape from their home. Yep. The internet searches. Like, there was so much. They didn't have the internet searches, so we'll give well, them yeah, that they one. Didn't, but-, but they did have the chloroform internet search. Oh, they did? Yeah they didn't have the foolproof oh, suffocation.
0: Oh my god, dude.
1: I think the Anthony family had royally fucked up this case by meddling and trying to protect their daughter. Lying George Anthony was not an honest individual. Not trustworthy on the stand.
0: Yeah, well he ended up changing his story, didn't he? Yeah.
1: <sighs> Bro. So what did you think about the documentary series if you can even call it that yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, propaganda is what it is um i was immediately enraged and i think that she's a horrible actress and i think that she's had 10 years well actually despite having 10 years to find fine-tune her story she still has contradictions That are very obvious in this documentary. Like, for instance, she said in episode one that she thought Kaylee was alive until they found her body in December. Mm -hmm. And then in the next episode, she says that she drowned in the pool and she held her limp body And then she goes back and says that, oh, well, my dad said that she She was was
1: fine, fine, so I believed him. I had to believe him. I wanted to believe him. I had to trust him. Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then the sexual abuse allegations. I don't know if that happened or not, but why would I believe someone who lies about literally everything? Yeah.
0: In the first place... You doing this documentary, after everything you've ever said, why do you think anyone is going to believe what you're saying now? Anyone. You are a certified liar, proven over and over again. No one's going to believe you. So you just wasted people's time,
1: basically. Well, there are lots of people that do believe her. I mean, I've already seen Reddit comments coming through like, oh, I was... I always thought she was guilty, but now after watching this. No. And like, even before I finished the series, someone was just like, oh my God, episode three, mind blown. My opinion has totally changed. And I'm like, is this no. Casey Anthony writing this comment? Right. Can we just say the only people that were on this documentary were her defense team and the roommates of her ex-boyfriend yeah. who were like, obviously just like, on just wanting to be on tv yeah yeah and i thought that
0: was so stupid that one moment where they're like why did george testify for you know as a star witness on the grand jury when his daughter he was saying that it was an accident or whatever um why was he testifying for her to give the death penalty he was summoned as a witness i don't think he had a choice <laughs>
1: And, just because and the guy it, was
0: like, oh, my God, my mind is blown right now. Yeah, he's
1: like, can I take a minute? I can't even fire I'm, the word. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, just because he has to be on the stand and answer some questions doesn't mean he wants his daughter to be killed. And that doesn't yeah. mean, even if she's found guilty, that doesn't mean she's going to get the death penalty. No. They, they don't have separate. to give her the death penalty. Right. They can decide... What kind of sentence she gets from there? It's exactly. called a sentencing hearing. It, yes, right, Joey? Is that what
2: it is? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, oh my god, dude! It's infuriating. Yeah, it is. Absolutely infuriating, and I I went back and watched a YouTube video. Um, it's by Jim Can't Swim. It's one I said yeah. to you the other day, and. It's just crazy, like, seeing her emotions. Then, I don't know if you went back and rewatched it, mm-hmm. but it was, like, during her um, phone call with her parents, she would have, like, no emotion when talking about Kaylee. But then when there was, like, concern for her, she mm-hmm. would just break the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And it her emotion around Kaylee in this docuseries just seemed so disingenuous
1: to me. She didn't have it. Yeah. she talked about herself the entire time yeah the entire time yeah she was talking and about then, i <sighs> was an abuse i i was abused yeah and then she ha- was
0: like well why didn't anyone ask why i lied no one's gonna ask you
1: why you lied when you're being They did ask yeah <laughs> she's like i'm not <laughs> waste waste calling you guys waste and I think it's a disservice to people who have survived abuse from their families to, you know, we're, we're taught, like, always believe women who say they're abused. Yes, now. And now Casey Anthony <laughs> comes up. She's like, oh, okay. okay. Well, now I'll be believed. Yeah, now they're, they'll believe me.
0: Unfortunately, there are still a lot of people that don't believe you. So. Well,
1: even if she was abused, it doesn't. It doesn't answer the question of why this happened at all. No. It doesn't. She still doesn't have the answer as to what happened for for her own fucking story.
0: No, because she is just saying that she, you know, quote unquote, drowned in the pool. And then she just thought that she was okay for 30 days when her dad took her limp body away.
1: Well, then at the very end, they're like saying... Well, he used to smother me with a pillow. Yeah. And then fucking McKenna over here is like, well, maybe he smothered her with a pillow. I know. And she's like, oh, my God. It's just like so disgusting.
0: Yes. And she is like, okay, first of all, why is the first time she watched her daughter's funeral during the filming yeah. of this docu series. Please tell me why. And she like freaks out about that thing that her dad said, which I didn't think was creepy. It wasn't weird. She she was like, I was told that he said this thing, and then they were like, Oh, it was said during the
1: funeral. It was what did he say? Something about he's like, I miss the smell of Kaylee when she'd come in from playing outside. I miss the smell of her sweet sweat. Like, yeah. those are the types of things you remember about people. Yeah. Like, that is something I would remember and about was, my son if I were to lose him. Exactly. And it's talking about when
0: she's coming in from playing from outside. It's not talking about late at night in the middle of the night when she, he goes into her room. or she's like She's
1: disgusting. Yeah. Like, she is projecting this narrative onto him. And when he was like, there's nothing like getting a hug from a child who just, like, really loves you, like... That is a genuine, George Anthony is not the best person in the world, but I don't think he would hurt that little girl. And I think he was genuinely saying, he's a grandfather. Do you know what grandparents feel about their kids, their grandkids? Yeah. To get a hug from your grandkid is probably like the most special feeling in the world. And she's making it perverted. She is. For her own, for her own gain. Her
0: own reputation or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, that
0: infuriate. I was like, when it fi- they finally played that clip, I was like, um... and then she was like, literally freaking out about it. I was like, dude, you need to chill the fuck out. You do not. This is not coming across like you think it's coming across. Like you are so unbelievable right now. <laughs> God, Ugh. it's just oh, she's. <laughs> this is my opinion, but she is so stupid. <laughs> She's, she's
1: awful the worst but yeah that's that's all I got wow oh if you if you have if you don't have anything else to add I can just go through my sources yeah I think I think that's all I can think of anyway right now so I I watched um a good bit of the trial so I pulled some stuff from that um a lot of the interrogation footage there is a blog out there called A Candy Rose that outlines the entire chain of events with all of the sources, all of the documents and pictures and things, which was really handy. I watched Casey Anthony an American murder mystery on investigation discovery. I watched Casey Anthony's parents speak on Annie. I watched the video Mallory referenced called There's Something About Casey from Jim Can't Swim. He's a criminal psychology expert, and he gives lots of interesting insight on Casey's lies and body language. Mm -hmm. There was a Reddit post um, by a user called History Mystery, and they have a whole... They've really done a lot of research and made a book called everything you didn't know about the casey anthony trial um so that's where that one theory came from and then i watched that train wreck piece of shit docuseries that peacock released for some reason called where the truth lies <laughs> and where the truth lies is um w- clearly it's not with casey so it's not with casey so yeah Guys, I am so glad to be done with this. Yeah, I feel like this was plaguing you for a while. It really was awful. I, I had nightmares. A lot of nightmares. Cried a lot. Almost cried during this. It's hard. It's it's not easy to read this kind of crap about a little adorable child. Yeah. Glad it's over. Hope it was informative and hope that I did a good job presenting the facts. And, you know, <laughs>
0: we would love to hear your theories on this one. Yeah. What are you sure. guys thinking? Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. We have a Facebook group. Um, just request. It's a private group, but just request and we'll approve you.
1: Um, yeah. Instagram. And we're also on on Twitter. So Yeah and we would love if you guys would send us some recommendations on things that you guys want to hear us do a deep dive on. We're yes. kind of running low on ideas here. The um, well is running dry. We do appreciate the recommendations we've received from you guys. We just, you know, wanna find something that we really sparks our interest so we can really do a deep dive on it. So if you if you don't mind sending some more ideas, that would be great. And um, leave us a review if you like us. If not, you can um, give us any feedback through email. Rabbitholehappyhour at gmail.com. Yep. And we will see you guys. We're going to do a
0: mini episode next time um, and take a short break until the new year. So probably just about a two-week break or
1: so, something
0: like that. But we'll
1: we'll keep you posted. We We might need, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah. We need good ideas. So if you can send those, help us out. Because we don't want to just, like, do something that's Crap not eh, whatever. You know? Yeah.
0: We like to provide quality content. And hopefully we've done it. <laughs> well, anyways, this is a long one, guys. So night-night. Um, I'm, so, I'm night. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.